Welcome to Spotlight McCall, conversations with local luminaries on their inspiration, creativity, and vision. Today we are featuring Tom Grody, publisher of the Star News. Tom studied journalism at Ohio State University. He worked at the Idaho Statesman before taking on the Star News, where he has been publisher for almost 40 years. So he might know what he's doing by now. I've wanted to have Tom on the podcast for a few reasons. As our community reporter for many years now, he knows what's going on, our culture, trends, and parts of the iceberg under the water most of us don't see. Also, there are things about Tom that we don't get in a weekly editorial. I want us to hear your voice today and get a deeper sense of who you are. So tell us, why journalism and how did you get from Ohio to Idaho? Well, first of all, hello, Renee. And Hi, Tom. It's nice to see you. And thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Uh, we're here in the, in the uh, Cub, and it's a fabulous space, and everybody should come over and see it. Thank you. And uh, read the Star News for some of their programs. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. experiment. Many things for many people to do. So yeah, congratulations you. on putting that on. Thank you. And congratulations on this podcast series, too. So that way people can really see what an idiot I am. And then no one needs to ask any more questions. But, Perfect. We'll get mm -hmm. it all done today. All that's the right. idiocy out on the table. No more pretense. But that's all right. People who read my editorials already know that. So, okay. Well, to start from the beginning, it's a very short story. Grew up in Ohio, Cincinnati. So I'm a long-suffering Cincinnati Bengals and Cincinnati Reds fan. I grew up with the Reds. Johnny mm -hmm. Bench, Pete Rose. That was my time. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right on. Glory years, yes. The big red machine. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. That's right, and they haven't been any good since. But, uh, <laughs> right. Except in 1990 when they went wire to wire, but that's a long story. And, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, who, mm -hmm. as you know, haven't, I don't think, won a football game in 15 years, but we're still loyal. That's why you love the Bengals. Mm -hmm. That's right. We're still loyal, and we still support them. I went to school at Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, nearby. Mm -hmm. Got my journalism degree, and then I was ready to go out into the world and decided who would want me to be their next star reporter. I applied everywhere in the country, more than 100 applications. Wow. And uh, the only one that needed a position was the Idaho Statesman. They had an opening for a police reporter. This was in 1976. And so I came out here sight unseen. I'd never been west of the Ohio River, believe it or not, up until then. And so I took the big leap of faith, and uh, the statesman took a big leap of faith, too, because I didn't come out to interview. I thought I would spend a couple years here and maybe then go back. But things changed, and now I've been here for 40 years. So it was successful. You fell in love with Boise? Sure. It's the typical story. You come out here, and you fall in love with the West. You yeah. fall in love with the scenery. You fall in love with the people, with the independent spirit, mm -hmm. all those things that uh, we hear now from new people are moving in. But then we figure we're pioneers because we've been here 40 years. So that mm -hmm. qualifies as being, you know, an early adopter, as it were. And so spent uh, six years at the Idaho Statesman, did all kinds of things. My last stint was as the city hall reporter back when uh, the term urban renewal was a big deal. This is back when downtown Boise was a desert. They were tearing buildings down and everybody wasn't sure what was going to happen. There was a big proposal to save Boise which was to build a covered shopping mall downtown, just like the one that's now out there at Boise Town Square, but to put it downtown. And of course, it's a good thing that did not happen because obviously a giant covered shopping mall was not the answer for downtown Boise. So that didn't work out and eventually Boise became what it is. Before that happened, we left. My wife, Tommy, and I, who is my co-publisher, please 
be sure mm -hmm. that is for the record. Indeed. We do everything together and have for the last 35 years mm. here at the Star News that we uh, got an opportunity to come up here. The managers who were here were leaving. We had family connections with the, with the owner of the Star News. His name is Butch Alford, and he is a fine gentleman, lives in Lewiston. He is the publisher emeritus of the Lewiston Tribune, and he's been our partner for the last almost 40 years. How old is the Star News total? Well, the Star News itself goes back uh, two prongs. It's a combination of the Cascade News and the Payette Lake Star. Both of those papers go all the way back to almost like 1920, 1915. And there are copies of those early editions over at the uh, McCall Public Library. In, in the their, Idaho in room. In the Idaho room. And yeah, I've just looked at them. Fascinating mm -hmm. reading. Uh, and of course, all of the bound volumes of the Star News. Mm -hmm. are fascinating reading. I get lost in there when I go over to do some research about something that I need to go pretty soon. I'm in there for hours and hours is reading about, number one, how the news was reported back then. Mm -hmm. You have to remember there was no TV and even the Boise paper couldn't come up here in those days. And so people relied on the Star News for their world news as well as many other things. Has it always that. been a weekly publication? It's always been a weekly publication. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you realize just what an important community property has been all those times for various reasons mm -hmm. over the years. So in 1967 was when the Payette Lake Star and the Cascade News merged into the Star News. And that's uh -huh. the way it's been ever since with a brief interruption for a, a hiatus they called the Central Idaho Star News, I guess trying to uh, localize it and put some geography on it. But that's way too hard to say. <laughs> so, so what was that like going from a city paper, a metropolitan paper, to a small town paper? What did that require in terms of a shift of perspective or philosophy for you? Well, we thought it'd just be really easy, you know, because heck, you know, we were experienced. Tommy is an advertising professional and uh, mm -hmm. And I was trained in journalism. We said, "What? Well, how hard could it be to move from... And we're still figuring it out. It's, it's a challenge every day and every week. Right. Uh, and so, yes, it's been fun. very difficult, very challenging. It's been a, a, a real great ride at the same time. Because, number one, it's a very personal kind of a thing. You know, you get to know your readers personally. You get to know your sources personally. You get to know everybody personally. And so there's a great sense of responsibility to that's get how, it right. That's how it's unique then. Mm -hmm. You know your constituency on a personal level. We get instant feedback to what we do. <laughs> and so I have a saying that uh, uh, you know the people who are most upset will call or write right away. So by 10 a.m. on You're ready. Thursdays, if nothing mm -hmm. is nobody's called, then I'm okay. But then there's the slow burners and who have other issues coming up that they're not sure if they want to call, and then they get madder and madder, and they finally they... So right around by Friday morning, pretty much anybody who has a problem uh, let's us know. For me, that's a sign of success. That means you have a readership and you're touching them in some way. You're affecting them. I'm imagining that helps keep you going. Yes. Well, it sure keeps me honest. That's for sure because it keeps me on my toes mm -hmm. and yes. uh, to have our, uh, to make sure that what we're doing is accurate and fair and balanced. No one ever accused any newspaper of being uh, objective because that's not what we do. We right. have to filter, we have to mm -hmm. make decisions, we have to decide what goes in and what goes out. As long as what's in there is accurate, fair, and balanced, then that's fine. But some people have uh, different definitions of how that works, especially if it, if it involves them. You know? sure. And uh, so we have discussions about that and uh, we try to work through our problems. And normally when we see each other in the supermarket, it's, it's fine. What a ride to be able to 
sustain a small town paper and have relationships with people and be reporting on your neighbors and mm -hmm. creating stories, you're probably keeping journalism alive in some way. Well, that's what it is. It's journalism. It's the community journal. We report what's going on. That's the original role of a newspaper. It still is. Our primary mission is, sure, we have some things on the front page which we think are important. They're newsy. They're, mm -hmm. But, you know, 90% of the newspaper is about people who live here. It's about things that they're doing, the events that they're putting on, about their kids in school, about sports, and just about the churn of activity in McCall, Idaho and surrounding areas. So that's the most important part of what we do, is to make sure everybody knows what's going on around them. And then if we can add a little bit of insight and a little bit of enterprise as far as you know what their government is doing and, and some of the bad news, unfortunately, with you know fires and accidents and just kind of keeping people up to date with happenings in their lives, then uh, we think we're, we're a success. The most interesting part about being in McCall, as opposed to other small towns, and this is true of any other resort town, is just the resort nature of the economy. This town is constantly changing. There's constantly people moving in, moving out, people uh, with ideas who think that this is, streets are paved with gold, those who come in here and uh, want to impose their own values on us. Good intentions, of course, but at the same time, trying to learn what we do. Mm -hmm. People are always bringing in ideas. They're bringing in mm -hmm. energy. They're bringing in a lot of positive forces that, you know, overall is a good thing because we can always, everybody needs a fresh view from now and then, mm -hmm. a new start. The trick for those people is assimilating themselves to those who are already there and to those who are already in positions of uh, power and Inter influence. Integration, mm -hmm. integration of new with existing culture. Yeah. Can we expand on this idea of the journal? You answered my question, I think, what is journalism? Keeping a journal, a record of a community, and that's events, culture, personality, ethics. What all, in that journal keeping, what all are you looking at or considering? We, believe it or not, almost everything that we report on is brought to us. That's the most interesting part, is that people understand what our role is. And so they submit things. So um, the community creates the journal. That's correct. Not Tom. That's correct. I like that. We, we're the filter. You know, we are the translator. Uh, uh -huh. We're the ones who take the, uh, you know, the notes and the news releases and all okay. those things and make them uh, legible, we hope, uh, and then embellish on them, possibly. You know, maybe I'll see something mm -hmm. that we can take and then expand on. Deepen, mm -hmm. pursue. Yeah. And people are always suggesting ideas and things that we should do, most of which are, are great. You know, if someone really, my philosophy is, is if somebody thinks it's a good idea, it probably is. And if not necessarily in the form that they submit it, but in a way that, you know, we can make it into something broad and uh, of general interest. And that's the main thing. You know, a lot of publications, especially these days with social media, are very narrow and they're focused. They have a very specific audience in mind. We're kind of a dinosaur in a way in that we try to appeal to everyone, which is extremely challenging, as you might expect, because everyone is a very vague thing. So as a result, we have a very grab bag collection of information and articles and advertisements, of course, mm -hmm. which support the newspaper. So people are bringing you stories and you're talking about residents, so locals, folks who've lived here for mm -hmm. a while, and visitors, tourists. 
your audience is wide and you have to consider all of that audience. That's right. And mainly what we have to consider is that most people here are fairly new. The locals mm. are still need to, to understand what happened before they got here. So if you read our stories, we try to make sure that whatever we write about, that there's always background. Background. That there's mm. background on a group or a topic or an issue. That's one of our things is to make sure that people are up to speed on what happened before. Uh, one of our other main roles, we believe, is informational and explaining how basic things work around here because life is complicated, schools are complicated, government is complicated, and there's a lot of complex things. Even in a small county, we have 10,000 full-time residents in this county, but we have 22 separate taxing districts, various government agencies, cities, counties, fire districts, sewer districts, cemetery districts, you know, and the list goes on and on. And each one of them govern in a certain way, have certain responsibilities. And it's our job to make sure people understand how that works because their tax dollars are going there. And also people are responsible for their lives and their health, like the fire departments and, mm -hmm. and for their public services. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the McCall Fire Department is not a part of the city of McCall. It is a separate fire district. It has its own mm -hmm. taxing powers, has its own operation. It is totally independent like from the, the city. Like the hospital. And the hospital is a separate organization. Uh -huh. None of the fire districts are associated with the municipal governments at all. Uh, there's three fire districts, one in McCall, mm -hmm. one in Donnelly, one in Cascade. Okay. They all operate independently. And that comes as a surprise to people. But it's another layer of, uh, of government that we need to explain. So you're continually educating people. We hope so. That's part of our, our role. About facts, this is the way it is, and even nuance, even mm -hmm. little details of things people may not really understand. Sure, especially like uh, if people who've lived here for the last few years know there was quite a bit of discussion over our sewer system, which is pretty basic to uh, how a city operates. Uh, if you don't have good sewers, you don't really have a city because sewers control everything. It controls growth, right, it controls right. development. You did a lot of reporting on that. You we felt did like because you finally, after 40 years, the uh, Payette Lake Sewer District and the city of McCall, who have been arch enemies for many years, yeah, finally yeah. decided, thanks to some progressive personalities, to uh, try to get together and mm -hmm. uh, swallow their ego, swallow their pride, and consolidate. And it took a major leap of faith to do that. Mm -hmm. But they got it done. Now, only two years ago was when the election was. And that's been a fabulous improvement as it is. Some people disagree, but uh, I think on the on the bulk of it, it is. And you sit in on a lot of these meetings. I try not to if I can. That's why I have good people who I have hired. Ah. I have two excellent reporters. One good. is Drew Dodson. The other is Max Silverson. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're both. It's the Star News is a presence in these meetings. And that's, mm -hmm. again, part of our role. We mm -hmm. go to the meetings so that you don't have to. So that, Thank you. That's right. The bureaucrats are always complaining. Pardon me. I mean, the elected officials are always complaining that no one ever comes to their meetings. Well, if you look at their agendas, who would ever want to come to they one of those meetings? They do look awfully dry. Those elected officials, they would rather not be there either, but they have to be there. Mm -hmm. And so they have to put up with these meetings, which can't take forever. Can't you go forever. spice things up a little bit? I mean, can't, don't we have some community personalities who can... Oh, we've had had plenty in, over the years, that's for sure. So, But boring is better, actually, it, uh, if you ask me. Okay. But at the point, same time, you want, don't want to be careful not to fall asleep in meetings because anything can happen at the same time. Right, it could be really an important detail. And again, that's what the importance of having someone there who's experienced and what's going on mm -hmm. to pay attention to the nuances of what's happening. So let's talk about open access and meeting laws. I've read your paper enough to know this is a passion for you. Mm -hmm. Again, that's part of our responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, I will freely say that I 
try to be as uh, objective and fair as possible regarding most issues. I am not objective or fair or unbiased regarding transparency in government. It is a bedrock of our democracy, especially in small towns where elected officials and uh, their ilk are not necessarily looking to deceive the public. No one goes out to it's unintentional. To deceive the public, it's unintentional, yeah. but can cause great damage and can affect their reputations as well. People think we want to have a closed meeting so we have privacy and we can speak our opinion without uh, hurting feelings or whatever their reasons are, and you're saying that's not acceptable. Well, the Idaho Open Meeting Law, which is cornerstone of what we try mm -hmm. to support around here, is mm -hmm. a very powerful law, but it's only as well as it can be enforced and interpreted. You know, okay. all laws are okay. only as good as the people who have to interpret it. But it's a basic, fundamental law that says all public meetings shall be open. Period. And this means elected bodies. It means advisory committees. Anyone who's associated with an elected body, their meetings have to be open. School boards and advisory committees to school boards. Because the school boards had some closed meetings. They have, and there are exceptions then to the okay. open meeting law, unfortunately, way too many. So you and can, some of them are vague. You can the, make an exception. The most Yes, you can do it with a proper procedure. You have to cite the statute and it's you know, okay. very well laid out. Those mainly are for personnel matters, mm -hmm. which can be abused as well. People saying, well, we need to do an evaluation of this employee. But then sometimes it'll drift, and that's what's called uh, the attorney general who has held some workshops up here called that, the executive session drift, where they move off of that topic and begin oh, moving on to things they shouldn't be talking about. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, so personnel is uh, usually a uh, topic of discussion. And litigation. Okay, now what is that? See, that's the thing. They says, well, we need to talk about litigation. So what kind of litigation? Is it litigation that's pending? You know, the, the law is very broad. It says uh, pending litigation, filed litigation, or litigation which is likely to be filed. So it is quite broad. Mm -hmm. And that was written in by the attorneys because they, don't, they want to protect their clients. Uh, and by the way, city attorneys don't work for the people. I just want to make sure everybody know that. They work for the government bodies. And so it's their job to protect those people. Mm -hmm. So they're always one to close the doors if they want to and when, when it's possible. But it's not necessary yeah. all the time. So one of your roles that you've taken on personally in this community is to make sure that this law is upheld and that people have access to meetings. That's correct. That the procedures are followed, mm -hmm. that even though there's flaws in it, that at least mm -hmm. the flawed parts are conducted correctly, which is how to go into an executive session, what to say, make sure a vote is taken, and also that minutes are recorded of okay. an executive session. The law mm -hmm. does say you should take minutes of an executive session as long as it does not reveal the substance okay. of what's in there. But you can still say, we talked about a lawsuit that was filed against us by so-and-so. Well, everybody, okay, great. So that means we know that. And you don't have to get into great detail. And you cannot make a decision in an executive session. That's the key part. You can discuss things. You can talk about you know, strategy and that sort of thing. But when it comes to actually making a decision, that all has to be done in public. And that's the key part of that law. And I could imagine if you were not around to make this important for people, I could see people taking advantage and not. Yes, because it's easy to sure. let those things. And you're right. Mm -hmm. The key reason often given for going into executive session is to air our dirty laundry. We don't want Tom we don't want We don't want the public to hear us bickering. We don't want right. them to hear us talking about controversial things. Indeed. Which is their job. Their job is to discuss that in public and to right. be responsible for their opinions. Mm -hmm. 
And so if they're uncomfortable talking about that, we might as well not even have meetings then because those are the only things that really matter are the things that are controversial. We all love controversy. It's, that's what we want well, to read about. Well, it's what moves things forward. It's not so much sure. controversy. It's making difficult decisions. Yeah. It's, make, it's talking about moving forward. It's talking about mm -hmm. cutting budgets. It's talking about changing staff. It's right. the way we do things. There are scenarios and they're loose and they're uncertain. And because just because we're uncertain doesn't mean that we can't talk about that in public. And I want our leadership in communities at whatever level of government or whatever jurisdiction you're in, I want people to demonstrate leadership by showing us how to have a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. Here's how we do it. Have the courage and show the community an honest, transparent way to do that. Right. Now, it is perfectly understandable, the attitude, because you sure. have to remember uh, all elected officials are basically uh, volunteers. They get a little bit of money, and et cetera. Indeed. But they're laymen, they're not professional politicians, they're not professional anything. Now, they have certain expertise in some fields, mm -hmm. but in general, they're relying pretty much, they're going about it as they go, and they're flying by the seat of their pants. Sure. And they rely on their staffs and that sort of thing, but at the same time, you uh -huh. want to be careful not to rely too much on the staffs because they're mainly interested in their agendas, and so you're trying to make a decision that's in the best interest and because, of the people you elect. Well, because you've been doing this so long, and officials, elected officials rotate, I'm imagining you often show people here's how it's done. Well, they don't ask me very much, but, <laughs> but uh, I'd be happy to share when, whenever that happens. <laughs> uh, but the, yes, there's definitely a, a uh, sometimes a loss of institutional memory, for sure, when, uh, Indeed. when there's turnover like that. And hopefully, again, that's one of our roles, is that mm -hmm. when we uh, report on something, and of course, we provide some of that background in, in a in a way that we provide it, not the, the sugar-coated Right, the way. objective, mm -hmm. here's the information. So let's talk about media culture and journalism and in your eyes, how it has evolved. There's so much suspicion out there mm -hmm. around the media and journalism. What's your perspective on that and how you see journalism evolving? Yeah, well, there's an old phrase, you know, what's old again is new again, or is it the other way around? I can't remember, but, right. uh, uh, and Tommy and I have discussed this, of course, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've, Ever since uh, the current president has come into office, and the whole, and the whole controversy over fake news and yeah. bias, the rise of social media and biased mm -hmm. journalism—I mean, intentionally biased journalism—and people say, "Whatever happened to objective journalism?" Come well, to McCall; it's right here. It is, but <laughs> at the same time, people have to remember that objective journalism is not necessarily something that's been around a very long time. It's not the good old days were not necessarily that way. Oh. We just have to look at some of these movies like Citizen Kane and uh -huh. people like that. Uh -huh. Turn of the century, newspapers were just like people are talking about now. They were, they were, they were blatantly uh, mm -hmm. biased. Yeah. They would take these wild advocating positions. They would ignore the critics. They would state their case. It's only mm -hmm. in the last 50 years when so-called objective journalism came into play. What, and that mainly was around Watergate. Ah. For, hopefully I don't have to explain Watergate to some of your listeners, but... Uh, uh, if you don't Google it, you'll, Google you'll it. see it. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the rise. And of course, it came with the whole generational shift of the uh, of the baby boomers and uh, okay. and the change in the country as far as uh, you know, changing the, the system and, honesty. and just and just making government making public officials accountable. Okay. And so that then wrote came up into uh, newspapers mm -hmm. mainly, and of course, TV, the rise of television as well. But mainly newspapers who finally decided to get down and dirty and and got the um, tools from their publishers to go out and get the hard stories. That's when you saw people forming 
investigative reporting teams, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. if anyone's seen the movie Spotlight. Which that was, was excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one mm -hmm. of my favorites for that reason. It's just mm -hmm. down-home, hard, yep. uh, commitment, shoe-leather journalism, yeah. we call it, and with a lot of luck and a lot of, uh, but knowing what to do with your luck when you get it. So that, that mm -hmm. was good. That has not been the norm. <laughs> and so to have this come back is nothing new and nothing crazy. It's a cycle. Oh. And that's what's happening. Now we have the broadening of media the way we have now. Yeah, it's all scattered. People don't know where to go, what to do, and where to get their credible information. Now, guess what? The responsibility is back on the reader, on the person. Before, there's just being spoon-fed through these media outlets, and so you only had certain, yeah, Walter Cronkite was great, but how do you know he was telling the truth? Uh, or that it was just one point of view. Mm -hmm. So now we have all these choices, and it's a great responsibility. And it's a lot of work to, number one, find points of view that you find are credible, mm -hmm. but then also not to then to rely on those to the point that you shut out other points of view. Mm -hmm. And that's, the most that's just human nature. But that's a very difficult thing to do, is that when you read something and you, and you look at it, then you say, okay, I wonder what the other side thinks. Mm -hmm. Because then you're just not forming your opinions from one side or another. The beauty of the internet now, there's plenty of other opinions out there. And a lot of us do keep ourselves in an echo chamber where we only hear what we want to hear. We only hear our own opinions reflected back to us. Sure, What's your well, solution to that? Because it's comfortable. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, that's why we have what's called letters to the editor. Indeed. Which is my favorite part of the newspaper. <laughs> well, let, let, I want to talk about that, but mm -hmm. I want to go back first of all. Tell us how you get your news. Where do you find credible news sources in terms of global or national news? What do I read personally? Sure. My morning news summary is the Associated Press. It's a free site. It's offered uh, online, okay. and it is the most objective and probably the only one that offers a clean news summary. The so, good old-fashioned Associated Press. That's right. And it's nice. and they keep up the date and they mm -hmm. give us they report the news okay. as it happens and so far have re have resisted the urge to become polluted by uh, being biased. Uh, so I read the Associated Press. Mm -hmm. uh, then I read the Idaho Statesman as best as I can. Uh, I'm disappointed in the trend, but again, it's what's been happening here. But again, it's my old stomping grounds sure. and also as you know, since Boise is the engine that drives what we do here, it's important mm -hmm. to keep track of trends. Let's see. And Well, then, of course, I'm a sports junkie, so I go to ESPN.com. And then we have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal, which is very expensive, but worthwhile. Uh, it is a, a very credible, broad-based news source, mm -hmm. which hasn't again, gone crazy. It's not just boring, dry business news. If right. uh, anybody who's ever seen the Wall Street Journal knows it, it's, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. And they have a yeah. lot of wacky things in there too. That's a nice range of sources. So that feeds you every day. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about those letters to the editor. So that's, you're smiling. That's something that you really enjoy. Well, it's a fun part it. of the job. Think about what a letter to the editor is. Someone has to say something that's an opinion, pretty strong opinion. To make the effort to write the letter to and send the it effort, to you. To make the effort sign their name, it's important. which is not very popular these days with chat rooms and posts and things like that, and to send it in and then to withstand the slings and arrows of whatever comes from it. I admire those people so much, even the crazy ones, and there are some crazy ones in there. I won't mention any names because I admire them just for doing it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you don't have to read the letters for very long to just admire the thought, the effort, the true uh, willingness to share their views. And for whatever motivation they have. Sure, they might be have egos or whatever, but 
Some of them, they're just genuinely interested in, in communicating with the community. And the range of writing styles we get in those letters, it's always fun to read. Some of them are really well written. Some of them are very well written. Mm -hmm. All of them are heartfelt. Yes. And they're all over the place. You look in the mm -hmm. paper this week, of course, with the COVID-19, we have a, we have the whole range. We only have four letters, but they range from let the old people die to, you know, we all need to just sort of let the earth capture us and let us evolve to, you know, a couple of couple of other ones, which was, and, or like, don't worry, everything's going to be fine and we'll get and get you through got this. got it all. And so it's, people can then read those and say, uh -huh. huh, okay, well, I may not think that way, but I can see his point on a couple of things and it just helps people evolve uh, their thinking. It gives the paper personality, a little that, bit of different absolutely. spices added to the paper. Absolutely. And are you, sometimes I think he published that, he actually published that person's letter. What's your philosophy about that? Do you feel it's an obligation? Is it a journalistic requirement that you publish all letters? If we're going to do that, if we're going to have an opinion page, mm -hmm. which a lot of newspapers do not have because it's risky and scary, then, then you have to go all the way. You know, the only things I reject, well, I give preference to letters that are, number one, written by local authors okay. or are written on local topics. Like somebody from Boise might write something about Midas Gold or something mm -hmm. like that. So those are my only two criteria. I'm not going to run letters from someone who sends it in from Montana and wants to talk about You get those? Oh, yeah. We get them submitted all the time. And I just say, no, thank you. Uh, so we try to get, keep it local, either by topic or by, by author. Again, the, and the criteria after that is pretty loose. It just has to be of a topic of general interest. You uh -huh. can't be slamming Albertsons for not having toilet paper. I mean, you know, if you got a bad meal at a restaurant, I'm not going to put that in. Which, which so we, if it's inflammatory or patently negative, you'll reject no, it? No, that's not correct. If, it's, if it has to be of general interest. Okay. okay. It is not of general interest that you got a cold burrito. No. It's, you know, it's, you're getting, you're, it's a he said, she said, well, how do you know you got a cold burrito? Maybe you went to the bathroom and then come out for 10 minutes and it got cold while you were there. I don't want to get into little private okay. petty disputes. It has to be of Thank you. general interest. Got it. And that's, and that's my definition. So uh -huh. that's where I have to make the judgment. So let's talk about your editorials. You write those, correct? I write the editorials. That's you. However, they're not signed for a reason. And people say, well, how come you don't sign the editorials? It's because they're really not my opinion. I write the editorials, but they're not necessarily what I would tell you. If I now, I did to tell not you know that. that. Well, really? no, I mean, they're, they're an opinion. And so sometimes, depending on the topic, the whole idea of the editorial is to provoke thought uh -huh. and foster debate and get a reaction. So my personal opinions maybe are maybe a little too subtle or too. So sometimes I'll throw in some zingers in there just to get a rise out of people. Uh -huh. Okay, and that's the whole idea. Or I will advocate uh -huh. a position that may be a little more extreme then possibly I would in a, in a normal situation or, or you know, give some advice that might be more maybe strident than uh, possibly use some language that's a little more colorful, use big words. It's the, it's the place where I get to use big words. So, so you want to provoke people a little bit. That's the whole idea. Love it. And I think that's when people like you say, well, I agree with your editorials most of the time. I think they just like the way they're presented, you know, uh -huh, that uh -huh. they're kind of freewheeling. And that they get you to think fun. and to mm -hmm. consider things. Yeah, and that's the whole purpose. What's your process of writing one? How do you determine a topic? How, what's the evolution of an editorial? Well, we try to make it as current as possible on sure. a current topic. Ideally, it's something going on in that particular newspaper. So you can kind of read what's the news story and then read it. That doesn't always necessarily happen because some things evolve and not really clear as far as a, a point of view that they should take. Uh, but always within, you know, a few weeks, uh, something that people can relate to. 
that uh, maybe there's a connected story paper. Same criteria as the letter. It has to be topical, has to be of local interest, it has to be somewhat relevant to their lives. So you just wait and see what news is happening. I react to what's going on in the Star News. Mm -hmm. uh, don't often write about things happening outside of our local area. Sometimes, mm -hmm. obviously, we'll write about things about the legislature if it mm -hmm. involves things that affect people. But no, you won't see me writing about uh, you know wars in, right. in Africa. Right. Yeah, and, it's always uh, local. Mm -hmm. It's a local paper, and you really hold that sort of culture or that ethic. That's our choice. Have you ever written your own editorial and then received a letter to the editor on that topic that was better, and you had to switch your editorial? <laughs> Let me think about that. I don't think so. I think maybe it helped embellish it or maybe help develop it, but uh, I'm not sure if anyone's ever flipped me on, <laughs> on, on that sort of thing. But we'll put that out there as a challenge that's now. That's right. That's right. You would probably enjoy that. But I that. think that people should try. Mm -hmm. They should try. Yeah. Absolutely. Predict what Tom could be writing about and see if you can one-up him. Mm -hmm. Oh, they do certainly do try to do that. That's for <laughs> sure. And I love it. I just love it. What have been some surprises in the years or things unexpected? Unexpected regarding letters to the editor, regarding the, the newspaper. Paper. Yeah, yeah. Just the flow of events. I mean, the flow of events. Things have happened around here that you can write it script for. You know, it's nuts. Well, what's going on now, of course, is unprecedented. Sure. And uh, what's happening now. So we're playing it by ear as well as everybody else. And we're doing a, a fabulous job, I think, trying to mm -hmm. track mm -hmm. the local, again, what's happening locally. Everybody can read about what's going on nationally and internationally, but we're trying to get information out there to folks locally so they know what's happening. So that's right. certainly unprecedented. Mm -hmm. uh, the way topics evolve is fascinating. Of course, uh, we have one of our, our current topics is Midas Gold. It's sort of taking a back seat right now to what's going on, but it'll be back. Uh, that has been a fascinating social experiment, yeah. uh, watching all mm -hmm. sides line up and watch them take their opinions and biases and their prejudices. Just having them state, I mean, it's, a, it's such a classic clear-cut issue. You're not neutral on Midas Gold, that's for sure. Either you're for it or against it. And it's one of those things that, again, has, has made people think about what they believe in, about what uh, makes the economy work, as opposed to you know, the balance between economic mm -hmm, growth mm -hmm. and environmental protection. It's a classic it's debate. Mm -hmm. It is. And again, we've had a wonderful round on that as well. And as you know, since we're a resort economy, we mirror what happens in the rest of the world, but especially Boise. And, uh, you know, as Boise goes, we go. And by the end, mm. and, and the economy, resorts normally are a lagging economy, that it takes longer for us to hit the toilet <laughs> when the recession mm -hmm. hits, but mm -hmm. then it takes us much longer to come back. And that was certainly true in, in the last recession. So the pandemic can actually change how a lot of people see Midas Gold. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct, uh, but it might. It just might. You know, I really haven't had time to ponder that particular one. But if we're becoming into economic distress and we're, everyone's losing their seasonal jobs, uh, Midas Gold might be the savior. Mm -hmm. But even if they were being approved tomorrow, uh, they couldn't get ginned up and running right. for a year. Right, and sure. it's, I'm not sure what effect that is. And it's a temporary bump, too, remember? Even they say, we're only going to be around 20 years, which may seem like a long time, but in mm -hmm. the full scope of things is not that long. So watching Midas Gold go, for those who have been here long enough to, uh, to watch the whole Tamarack Resort story, it's been a fascinating mm -hmm. uh, play on just what people think they can get done in a place, you know, and using us for, for their dreams and their economic gain and the way it evolved and the way it crashed and now it's trying to rise again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a interesting. Again, it, Tamarack Resort is almost like a separate entity within the county. A lot of people work there, a lot of people do that, but 
it's it pretty much operates on its own. You know, it has its yeah, own marketplace. Yeah. It has its own uh, dynamic. It has its own uh, just way of going about things. No more, it's isolated physically. It's way yeah. down there in the corner of the county, kind of detached from the rest of the economy, but at the same time is is part of it in that. They do things down there that, you know, don't really affect us, but in a lot of ways, you know, just like anything else, their health affects our health as well. So when you go into your building, mm -hmm. you have some favorite stories on the wall that are framed. And I'm imagining those are some of your favorite stories. And if you could think back over the years, is there just one story that for you, you felt was really important? Good question. And looking now, looking at my walls in my mind's eyes, because we mm -hmm. keep our front pages for the, those who haven't been in the Star News lately of... Uh, we frame front pages of what I think are significant mm -hmm. events, and there's lots of things. Uh, if you had to name one story that probably has been the most broad-based through the years, the one is it, that's sort of been a presence in the Star News for over the years, it hasn't been around for a while, but it, it was for many years, and that's the Barbara Morgan story. Barbara Morgan was our teacher in space. She was the one who was uh, you know, selected to be an astronaut, and uh, it was supposed to be like a two-year thing where... She was going to be selected, and you know, if she got to go, great. If not, she was going to be an alternate, or she'd get to go on a future mission. Either way, she's going to come back and teach in a couple of years. Well, then uh, the Challenger happened, in which the original teacher in space, Krista McAuliffe, was mm -hmm. killed. Barb was her backup, and of course, everybody, you know, I tell people, if Krista McAuliffe had had a cold that day, oh. Barbara Morgan would have been on the shuttle. Mm -hmm. That whole story about number one, how she got the job to start with. She was a small town teacher from Idaho and managed to make the cut statewide and then nationally to actually become second in line to being an astronaut. And then the horrible decision she had to make then when the Challenger exploded to stay with the program, mm -hmm. you know, persist or to rightly bail because it was just too dangerous. She said, look, how would I feel when I'm teaching kids every day to persist and never give up and to be brave if I were to bail and run out. She says, I can't set that example. That's fine. But her husband's saying, huh, well, I'm not sure about that. But then they had made the, because of that, though, they made a decision to have children uh, after the shuttle crashed, only if for no other reason, say, well, it's it's time to do that. And let's, mm -hmm. let's have that family and let's do that now because no one knows what the future holds. And so that was really brought to the fore for her. Uh, and her story went on for 22 years, from the day that she was first applied to the uh, Teacher in Space program, which was in 1985, to the day that she flew on the space shuttle, which was in 2007, it was 22 years of constant questioning, disappointments, uh, tragedies. You have to also remember, too, you remember that we had the Challenger exploded in 1987. We also lost the shuttle Columbia in 2002. Uh, Barb was supposed to fly the Columbia on its next mission. And so the shuttle that mm -hmm. she was going to ride on the next mission was the one that she watched burn up in flames. And, and she so kept you, going. And she kept going. You love this story. <laughs> well, it's just, she's a wonderful woman. She's a remarkable person. Every, mm -hmm. Anybody who's met her knows that. She's very strong. Mm -hmm. If you get her in her private moment, she had no idea the kind of ride that she was about to be on. And so it obviously changed her life, mm -hmm. made her a, a national celebrity. And then, uh, you know, she's now bearing the rewards of what she was. She got a nice job at uh, Boise State to uh, distinguished mm -hmm. educator in residence. And uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, she's our hero as far as what I can see. So, of course, I was the primary reporter on that. Well, and you got to be the there for the whole 22 years. That's right. And that was fun, too. And bear witness to that. That's right. Tell the whole story. That's right. So that's the most interesting one. Again, the, you know, we've had a lot of things happen here 
that uh, are very dramatic and very terrifying of forest fires over the years yeah. have been just horrific. You know, we haven't had a bad forest fire year for some time. It started to come in cycles. 1994 was mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. great fire cycle. That was the, the one, the famous Blackwell Lake Fire, which if people were here and if they come to the Star News, you'll see it burned just over there by on the other side of the east side of the lake, very close, within a couple miles is where it started, a lightning strike on the 3rd of July, tinder dry, it exploded, and the, the smoke clouds were so large and so close that people actually set up lawn chairs on Rotary Beach and would sit there and just watch them as a recreational kind of thing because they're so fascinating to watch. And, uh, and of course then more fires came and we had the Corral Fire and, the, and they combined and, and uh, mm -hmm. it just was a horrible. And that was the beginning of a cycle because of all the many that many people know about, the lack of logging and the lack of uh, wise planning as far as you know letting fire burn where it needs to that uh, the na mother nature said i'm going to make up for all this right. lost time so we had fires in 1994 we had big fires in 2001 and then we had fires again in 2007 and that was the last big cycle so moving to mccall reporting in a small town will surely be easy it sounds like it's been a lot of fun and well, challenging and a good ride for you it's been a, uh, it's been what I never expected for sure, and it it continues to be. Love it, right? With, uh, yes, of course, you have to love what you're doing. So tell us, where do you see journalism going in our community? You know, with the social media, and we have a, still have a weekly newspaper. Thank you. I love holding an actual newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, there's conversation around creating a regional news platform. Where do you see? our region going in terms of how you will work and how our community will receive its news? Well, there will always be a demand for journalism. That necessarily doesn't have to be a newspaper or a paper that you hold in your hand, but it's just the concept of journalism. And again, that's what people are struggling to produce out there as journalists get laid off at newspapers and they're going to other places. And these social media sites, you know, instead of doing a list of what Harry Potter character are you by answering these questions, you know, you need to try to report on things. Sure. Number one, mm -hmm. you need an audience, which again is difficult. People want to know what kind of a Harry Potter character. I do not necessarily want to dive into uh, some of the economic problems in Brazil or something like that. Uh, again, local news is always sought after, but it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You have to sit in the meetings mm -hmm. if you want to do it the way we think it should be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can write feature stories about you know people who hike and whatever, but uh, which is fine. Talking about people is always a good thing. But you have to talk about the systems and you have to talk about the uh, processes if you're interested in a community because you know we're spending a lot of money millions of dollars every year of mm -hmm. your money and our money is being spent on local governments to run things to build the roads and police the streets and keep the sewers going and uh, that's all we think important now of course when you have responsibilities and property and children you know some of these things become more important than others so you're saying that on say social media where a lot of people get their news now mm -hmm. they don't get all the news we don't get everything that's important happening in this community it's just not glamorous enough uh no and hopefully it's because we do it better than anybody else no one has attempted it there you if go. we were to go away mm -hmm. And thank you for saying that you hope we stick around because it's not certainly not a given. Sure. We mm -hmm. are struggling like anybody else. I mean, we're susceptible mm -hmm. to all of the economic forces that are happening. So far, things are going well. And, uh, you know, we're able to still produce a, a quality product. But we're not sure how long that can happen if right. we don't get the support we need. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But that's a whole other topic. That sounds like whining, and I don't want to go there. 
The, well, no, but it's part of the mm -hmm. objective conversation. I mean, what fate of newspapers? We all are wondering what will happen to our newspapers. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know newspapers are dwindling in number. Yeah. And it's sort of an endangered species. It is. Again, newspapers are. Newspapers, That doesn't mean yeah. journalism is going out of style. Okay, this Again. is important. This is an important distinction, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yes, it is. Because yeah. just like I read the Associated Press, I don't read hard newspapers myself. You get Even though digitally. I'm in the business. All my news comes from digitally, and that's the mm -hmm. way I prefer it. Because mm -hmm. I'm young and, uh, you know, progressive and, <laughs> and all that. But uh, we would really like it if everyone read the Star News uh, online because it's expensive to produce. Would you prefer that? Would you prefer moving the whole operation online? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Sure. You keep the paper If around? we could find a way to, to help our advertisers, you know, get their products out, which, you know, is something we'd have to evolve. Sure. Uh, and also, you know, replace the vehicles. You know, we'll take some jiggling around. But overall, that's the world. That's what we have now. People are getting their delivery on their screens. A lot of people say they're tired of looking at their screens, which is why they like to sit down with the Star News uh -huh. and leaf through it. And uh, that's all, that's interesting as well. So we're not. That's not going to change anytime soon. Okay. People like you okay. are just going to keep us printing that expensive newspaper <laughs> and paying the postage and uh, sending it out. But that's okay. That's all right. For now. We're okay. Yeah, with that. You, but you see the shift eventually coming, where eventually print will move to digital. Eventually, but not anytime soon. It's mm. going to take for us old guys to go away, and for the younger generation, you know, it, it's a cultural shift. It's an evolutionary. You know, I, I always, I've imagined for the last few years, if I could find a way to get the parts of the paper delivered to me that I want, <laughs> like if I could custom order the sections I want mm -hmm. in a metropolitan paper, I would love that. I'm a reader of the LA Times, mm -hmm. and I read certain sections, and but most of the paper I discard. That's right. So I thought, is there a way that we could just custom deliver people yes. in a perfect world? That's what's called a website. <laughs> you can select your sections mm. when you go in there and you, uh, yes. you can customize your reading. They have all those tools are there. Yeah, I think I'm of the generation and you are as well where we like to flip through. No, I hate flipping through. Really? No, because number one, you're happy too, with the screen. It's too limiting, right? Uh, ah. Most printed publications, it has limited space, whereas mm. the internet, Again, you don't want to go crazy on your length of your articles, but uh -huh. it allows you to read the entire story. Look at the statesman's coverage of some world news or national news, and you read the original stories on the Associated Press, you may be lucky if you get four paragraphs mm -hmm. in the statesman because they have limited space in the printed paper. Online, you can go read the entire thing. You can write a longer article. You could really go into something. You can write a proper article. You don't need to go all too long because okay. uh, we think anything over 700 words people are not going to read anyway. Mm -hmm. So break it into bite-sized pieces, make it palatable, mm -hmm. make it convenient sure. as well. That's what online does. Tell us about your fascination with Charlie. What about Charlie? I love Charlie. I know. The Charlie snow sculpture, there's the Charlie articles. You well, love Charlie. Charlie. Charlie's my friend. <laughs> we, we've seen Charlie. We believe in Charlie. Charlie is real. For the record, everyone, we all just heard that. Okay. Prove to me she's not. You oh, show she's me. she's a she. Yes, of course she is. <laughs> just feminine traits and that, and uh, absolutely. A couple years ago when someone thought they saw Charlie, mm -hmm. that was a high moment for you. It was huge. It must have hurt to print that story the following week. Why? That it was a scuba diver. Oh, yes, yes. I'm sorry about that, yes. And so was the lady who thought it was. <laughs> she was especially sorry. But no, but she's out there. Uh, we had another subsequent sighting since then. I think it was just last year. Oh, really? We had one. And hmm. number one, it's like my letter writers. We appreciate people who are brave enough to step up and say, I actually saw it and identify themselves and not being accused of being on some substance that uh, is altering their minds. Indeed. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, it's uh, she's real and we, and we need her. We do. Mm -hmm. We need a little bit of, I want to say mythology. Tom's going to say the neighborhood pet. What is she? She's our monster. Our monster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very good. To close up today, mm. what do you wish people would know in terms of journalism or the paper or your role or philosophy? Uh, number one, be awake. Uh, read the Star News. I mean, we work hard on it. We bust our butts to, uh, to do that. And I, I, we work hard to edit it and lay it out. Tommy's the layout and designer. She works hard to present it in a way that's easy to read and graphic. Mm -hmm. So give us a try and read it. There's a lot of people who do not read the Star News who should be. And I won't name anybody, but most elected officials do not read the mm -hmm. Star News. And I would say that with, I'm sure, some caveat. Uh, but there's a lot of folks who should be out there reading yeah. it who don't because, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm biased. I think if you, you're better off with us than without us, number one, for sure, we hope you appreciate our advertisers and that you'll patronize them and that mm -hmm. you uh, tell them that you appreciate them investing in, in a small town newspaper. Uh, read it and then react to it. Write Tom a letter. Or just sit, write a note saying, yeah, you said this, but did you know about that? Ah, and send you an email. Send me an email, yeah. I like phone calls, but nah, oh, emails are, no, 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 write me an email. Uh, okay. Because, or whatever way works for you. That's right. Because uh, a lot of it's rumor, a lot of it's false reporting, a lot of it's speculation, but that's what we do. Yeah. We take the rumors and the speculation and we try to find the grains of truth mm -hmm. and flesh those out. Some secrets will stay with me forever because we just can't prove them. So <laughs> Indeed. That's right. Nothing too bad. And you enjoy, you relish the exchange between you and people in the community when they do call and email you. It's, it's part of the fun for you. Well, it's gratifying because it shows they, they give a crap, that you know, they want to help, that they want to be part of the, uh, right. of the flow. And the fact that they, I mean, they all have busy lives. They've got kids and jobs sure. and things going on. And the, to mm -hmm. take the time out to say, I'll bet he didn't know about this, or here's something that we need to bring to the community mm -hmm. is really special. Thank you for doing your job. It sounds like it's not always easy. You keep doing it. Well, thank you, Renee. And thank and good, <laughs> and good luck on your new job that you have here. Thank you. And uh, keep it going. I intend to. I feel committed to building community and showing up here. So thanks for being here All today. Right. If they would like to find you or email you, the, the website of the paper is? It's McCallStarNews.com. Mm -hmm. You can subscribe there. Don't have to call us or anything. There's a contact page, but it's yep. starnews at frontier.com. It's very easy to find us. Drop us a note. Love to hear what you think. Thank you. I'm Renee Silvis with Spotlight McCall. Our podcast is supported by members, patrons, and sponsors of Community Hub McCall. Read more at cubmccall.com. Find previous podcast episodes at my website, reneesilvis.com. Thank you for listening. Now go and find some inspiration.